0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett. Um, My guest today, uh, Mark Sangster, Uh, he's Vice President of Industry and Security Strategies for a fascinating firm, uh, eSentire. And so that's just kind of the the, the cliff note uh, overview here. (laughs) What Mark is doing and what eSentire is up to, I think, is a fascinating exploration of what it means to be able to. To consistently access the soul of business in a in a in a manner that allows for safekeeping, if you will, uh, and what I mean by that will become more clear as we go into this conversation. Uh, but Mark, I want to just welcome you real quickly, and then I'll give you, you know, the the audience just a real quick uh, riff on who you are and why they really should pay attention to this conversation uh, today. Terrific! Thanks very much, Blaine. Thanks for having us on. You bet. Um, you know. Um, you're the author of a book that uh, I've you know, poked around a little bit in. Um, no safe harbor is the uh, meta title, and then the, uh, the footnote title on it is the inside truth about cybercrime and how to protect your business. And you speak on stages all over the world. Uh, been um, at the Harvard Law School, the RSA Conference. You authored various subjects related to you know all kinds of stuff around cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. And eCentire, as a company that you are involved very heavily with, was founded in 2001. Uh, So we're going to explore just kind of how how all of this came together, because your personal journey is kind of interesting, and I'd like to be able to touch on that, Uh, as as well as how you ended up uh, 20 years ago at uh, this place called Entire and how it's grown. So with all of that kind of in the play here, the question that always comes forefront is when you hear the term the soul of business what does that evoke for you and either personally or professionally or and or professionally
1: interesting right so i think you know i think the soul is kind of an energy and it's 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 a vibration in fact interestingly i take sort of a view of spiritual things and i kind of frame them in a sort of a scientific way right that you know uh i think anything that uh, we deal with right the universe all this kind of stuff right gravity and the sun coming up and the sun setting. Um, you know, that's just part of a, of a bigger engine and and we're a part of that too, right? So it's understanding how to align and, you know, effectively how to flow, right? You can row against the river all you want, but at the end of the day, you know, it's going to take you where it means to take you. Yeah.
0: Um, how to flow. You're the first guest I've had on this and we've got about 60 episodes now. Uh, you're the first one that I've heard speak to the how to flow component of soul as energy. It's, and, that, and I really think that's fundamentally what a business is up, up, up to. yeah. You know, how do we flow in this thing that we call our marketplace? Um, and there are impediments to that flow. I mean, if we, if, we, oh, if yeah. we talk about turbidity and turbulence. Yeah. Um, yeah, data is, you know, businesses live and breathe and die uh, on data. Um, when we look at the soul of business from a cybersecurity perspective or just from a security perspective, perspective you know what kind of comes up for you in that regard too
1: Yeah, you know, for me, I think it's about, you know, understanding what your intrinsic value is. And, you know, one of the things we saw in the past that I think really drives the company, the soul of the company is that, you know, we started in the financial industry. And, of course, you know, criminals rob banks because, you know, that's where the money is, right? The old Willie Sutton sort of quote or misquote. Um, And what you see in those kind of industries is that they're highly regulated, right? So they've got all these rules in place. And, you know, all too often we saw these victims sort of saying, yeah, but we were 100% compliant and we and you know eventually we got to that point where we said listen you can be 100% compliant to all these rules you can also be 100% owned by these criminals so forget trying to you know meet the rules forget trying to check a box and actually do what you need to do do what's right here to protect your industry if that means going above what's on that checklist then that's what you got to do right like think of the spirit of the law in this case and less about the letter of the law cuz that's what's going to keep you safe at night
0: you know that gets into a very, uh, I think, interesting economic conversation uh, because doing what's right oftentimes is expensive uh, when you think yeah. about it just in terms of the, the thought process that um, the executives in the organization are going to pay attention to because it's it's not, uh, I mean, that's a top line cost. It, you know, it just drops right into uh, you know making sure we're safe here. And the default would be, as you're saying, like, well, we checked the box. We were compliant. Um, you know, when we first started talking, solar winds—you know—the solar winds breach uh-huh. was a big right. story. Uh, MSN exchanges—you know—since replaced it in some way, shape, or form. And right now, I mean, this will date this podcast just a little bit, but the, the <laughs> oil gas line um, yeah. breach, largest—you know—gas line on—you know so the infrastructure. Yeah, you know, these guys are doing compliance. They—they they're, check the boxes. How does eCentire come into play with this? Because you guys are a market leader. Basically, you're a market creator in this, this whole uh, field. How do you work with clients? And I'm very interested here in your, your experience in working with executives to get them to understand the need to do what's right rather than to do what yeah, the checkbox uh, algorithm suggests that they should be doing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the biggest issues, right? So, you know, I talk about this in the book that uh, cybersecurity is not an IT problem to solve. It's a business risk to manage, right? So we got to stop talking in ones and zeros and, you know, switches and settings and talk about business risk. And that's where I start, right? What's a risk? Well, there's a threat there's a likelihood of that threat occurring. And when it does, there's some kind of consequence, whether it's financial or operational or whatever it might be. And you have to balance that with what the cost is of ensuring that that doesn't happen. Because you're absolutely right. You know, if if you have whatever it is, Uh, A million dollars in your bank, you know, using my sort of Willie Sutton analogy, and you're spending 20 million a year to protect it. Well, you're probably, you know, you could go 20 years of being robbed and break even here. Right. So that doesn't make a lot of sense. And that's kind of where we start is to help them understand risk. So, you know, who's out there? Why would they target you? What are they trying to steal? How do they go about it? Um, and then what are your obligations there, right? And that that would be, you know, as we've talked about a lot of box checking here, so regulators and compliance, but it's more than that. It's its contracts with your clients, right? It's its being a player in a supply chain. So imagine in manufacturing, you know, you're a, a subcomponent uh, uh, um, provider in the automotive industry. Well, you know, something you do may have dire consequences downstream. You know, you can't supply that part. That causes a shortage in a just-in-time, you know, supply model. And now you're, you're halted an extremely expensive, you know, manufacturing facility that has to wait until they can build up enough stock again to start working. And, and that's where execs start to, you know, the, the switch clicks because they start with what I'd call the kind of the de facto jargon, you know, well, what's the total cost of operating or what's ROI, you know, what's the ROI on security? And I turn that around to them and I say, when you say ROI, I think you mean return on investment, but I think in terms of, you know, risk of incarceration, right? Or, you know, risk of an operation. And then it becomes the, you know, so what would it look like if your factory floor got shut down for three weeks? You know, the the sort of thing we're seeing with the pipeline now, because that's what you're dealing with. Not, you know, as I say, it's not a, it's not a simple financial equation and there is no magic security box um, that solves, solves the problem.
0: Yeah. There's an interesting split, you know, this kind of gets into semantics, but you know, from, just from an operational perspective, you know, we spend money. Then uh, that's mm-hmm. just kind of what we do as businesses. Um, yeah. And the, the category can be either cost or it can be investment right. and cost. Yeah. It's, you know, you don't recover that you know, in most people's minds. That's just something that kind of goes out the door and in investment. There's an expectation of something coming back in return. So, what I'm hearing you talk about here a little bit, and I want to explore this a little with you, is, is the mindset around risk mitigation. Yeah, you know the mindset of risk mitigation because you know life is risky. I mean, yeah, <laughs> we're not getting out of this alive. Uh, right. In a very fundamental. <laughs> way. Um, so how do I mitigate the risk, and what's the investment that is necessary for me to make in this? And. I, I guess where I'd like to you know, kind of go with this is, you know, I think it was Peter Drucker. Uh, uh, no, it wasn't Peter Drucker, Warren Bennis. Managers do what's right and leaders do the right thing. That's you know, Managers, IT managers are doing what's right and it's, it's the check-a box. And, that, and this kind of goes back to mindset here. What's the mindset that needs to be opened up so people can really appreciate what doing the right
1: thing means? Yeah. So I think this is back to our, our soul statement, right. About kind of vibrating at the right frequency. And it is that, so it's the, you know, what, like I said, what do our risks look like? So what do we have that we have to protect? What have we agreed when it comes to the, the management of those things. Right. And in the sense of the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what do we need to do to go about protecting it? And I think that's a big issue that we see. And that's certainly where, you know, we provide that 24 seven, you know, Uh, we call it Managed Detection and Response Service. So, you know, we're constantly looking in their networks and their environments. We're looking for things that look suspicious. When we find them, we investigate them. And then we contain them, right? So if we think it's bad, we're going to stop it before it ever metastasizes and becomes the kind of business disrupting things that we read about in headlines. But from Mm -hmm. an executive perspective, you're nailing it, which is, you know, what do I have to spend here? You know, where do I put my focus? And it's just like any other element of the business, right? If I said to you, who are the top clients you can't lose? Right. Or what business sector brings you the most money? You know, like you work in uh, whatever, you know, whatever field and you know that we know the finance, our finance clients are the most lucrative or our healthcare clients are the most lucrative. Or we know that if we had some kind of violation, we could never participate in that segment anymore because, you know, with these kind of, you know, if we had multiple breaches, well, no hospital would be able to trust us with their patient records. uh, Or, you know, it would become prohibitive from an insurance perspective or the kind of effort that We'd have to put in um, to pass muster with with the regulator, so we know we're kind of out of the game, right? Per se, and those are the things that matter, right? So, what truly matters to you? uh, You know, it's the you know from a corporate perspective, it's the you know what are the three things you take to the you know the uh, tropical island if you were you know deserted for the rest of your life, and they have to really decide, truly prioritize, Um, and and you know, and then that's where you put your focus because if I again use the bank analogy. Can you keep the bank robbers outside the building? No, they can pick locks and break windows, right? Um, you know, can I protect all the documents in the bank? No, I can't. But what I can do is say, I'm going to put the most critical stuff in the vault. That's where I put my efforts. That's where I double down. That's where my guards wait, all of that. And that's exactly what you have to do in security is you, know, you, can't, you can't cover you know, 100% of the border what you have to know is the pieces that are the most vulnerable or the places where, you know, you know, the river's the, the shallowest, I guess, and that's where the bad guys are going to cross. And you got away from the other side, right? And that's where you take your stand at that choke point.
0: Yeah. Uh, I would love to use some metaphors and you're, you're, you're pretty adept at using them here. Um, the, the, as a, as a business owner myself, um, uh, yeah, Eastentire. I mean, you, you, it's an enterprise-sized you know, organization. You right. work with some of the largest companies on the planet around uh, this, you know, these security issues. Um, is you, you know, as you, as you have in the last twenty-one years that you've been associated with Eastentire, mm-hmm. how 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 would I talk, how would you talk to a small business owner, mid-sized business owner, as well as an enterprise wow. business owner? What's the is there a different conversation? to be had around yeah. security.
1: Absolutely. So that's another dimension on the chart here, right? Is there's obviously the assets and the things you have to protect, and of course, the more the more damaging they can be. Obviously, the more controls and protection you have to put in place. Mm-hmm. But the other side is to say, when I go back to if you have you know a million dollars in the bank, you're not going to fund twenty million to defend it. It is the same thing in a small to medium sized business, and frankly, there is no, you know, line in the sand. There is no, you know, bar that we all say, well, if we, you know, check those boxes where, you know, we, we hit some level of sustainability. Yeah. for So for small, medium um, businesses, there are, you know, again, it's back to what's the most critical for you. And at that point, you know, it's fundamentals in place, right? Using, Proper, you know, uh, password hygiene is an example and using what's called multi-factor authentication or two-factor authentication. And that means, Actually. you know, we've all done this, right? We put that, you know, we we log in and we get a text message with six-digit code sent to our phone and then we enter that six-digit. And it's just a secondary Gateway that's there to say not only do I have to have my username and my password, but I also have to be in possession of a registered device like like my my mobile phone, um, and you know it doesn't eliminate everything, but it starts to reduce those risks. And it also, from a business owner's perspective, you are starting to demonstrate a bit of reasonable care here, right? You've shown, you know, if we think about basic law here, you know, what is, what would the common person do, right? What's a reasonable expectation for any individual who's not an expert in this? You kind of just got to show that, like recognize, look, I, I know there was a risk here. I've seen other companies like mine be attacked. Here's some basic measures that I put in place to protect myself. Because no one's expecting you, you know, as a small business owner to put in, you know, to have the kind of resources that a major bank would have, right? They don't expect you to have hundreds of security employees and, a, you know, whatever, an eight or nine figure security budget and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like that's just completely unreasonable. So there is certainly an element to this where it is um, to scale, right? What what made sense for your business?
0: You know, as you, as you were talking, I was making a couple of notes here. Um Everything about business, everything about life, yeah, everything about life is, is, is a function of relationship and relationship quality. By mm-hmm. relationships working, I'm going to have a pretty good uh, shot at being successful in life as well as in business. Yeah. And the foundation of that is going to be trust. Oh, absolutely. And so, where I'm going with this is, I, I, I you know, got, uh, I started playing with a model. Uh, about you know, just kind of what is trust. First of all, not a lot of people understand really what trust is. They use it as a placeholder, but they're really talking about competency or you mm-hmm. know, character or a number of different things here. But one of the things that uh, I've been working with here lately is a three-legged stool analogy. Uh, I grew up on a farm and I you know, used to milk a cow on a three-legged stool. <laughs> it was pretty stable. Um, and, I, and I trusted that it wasn't... I mean, I wasn't gonna you know, land in a cow pie if I yeah. <laughs> if I wasn't careful here. Um, but the three legs that I'm uh, referencing are uh, intimacy, uh, safety, and freedom. And where this comes into play with uh, this whole notion of security, uh, intimacy. You're talking to folks, and I'm just gonna run this by you, and I'd like comment yeah, on man. it. Yeah, intimacy. What you know? What do we need to prioritize? Are we intimately familiar with what with what is crucially important to who we are as a business, and that's where the soul of the business comes into play. What's what's our crown jewels, so mm-hmm. to speak? So the intimacy around that, what do we need to do to protect them? Safety uh, is the development of uh, basically a risk mitigation strategy that you're talking about, and actually on an ongoing basis, so that you feel safe in, in the protection structure that you put in place here. Right. And as a consequence of that, you're free to do uh, a lot of different things that you probably wouldn't do because you felt constrained so the the net of this is the 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 greater my security blanket rather than being constrictive actually it it produces more freedom in terms of how I relate to my marketplace now that's my theory so I'd, I'd, I'd welcome you know just kind of your thoughts on that this so I think you're
1: a- I think you're right, right? Security is often seen as inconvenient or restricting freedom, right? Well, I can't access information on this device or, you know, man, I need, you know, 15 passwords and all this kind of stuff just to get to it. Um, And that certainly, you know, security, frankly, the industry hasn't done itself any favors in that respect. But it really does align to your three legs of the stool here, right? Because from an intimacy perspective, um, we are... With our clients exposing those crown jewels, right? We are telling them our, our secrets and where we're most vulnerable. So they do, we do have to establish rapport there. And that that is a critical element. And from a security perspective, you know, frankly, it doesn't have to be restrictive anymore. And I think, you know, when I said earlier, a second ago, that you know, we haven't done ourselves any favor in the security industry, it's true because we took this sort of self-righteous kind of view of, well, if you don't do these things, badness will occur and it's on you. Um, And we need, we can't look at it like that, right? We have to expand and we have to evolve and adapt. So it becomes more business freeing because for example, you look and say a new technology is emerging and you say, you know what, internet of things is an example. I could really use this or artificial intelligence or, you know, pick your acronym, right? This would really accelerate my business in these ways, you know, faster time to market or expand the markets we can serve or reduce our costs. But there's a risk associated. So security is kind of there to align to those business objectives, right? To say, they're not there to say, no, thou shalt not do this or, you know, thou shalt not use this tool. It should very much be uh, the opposite, which is enabling it, right? And looking at, okay, I get this. I understand why you want to move all this data to the cloud. I see the business rationale for this. Those are all the benefits and the cost. Now I'm going to help work out what the risk and the risk cost equation Look like, and then it's our job to align to that, right? So it isn't a, you know, a uh, get a blessing. This is like it, it is. A, it's a team sport here, right? Like we are supposed to figure out how to drive that business forward and not actually be the anchor that's constantly slowing it down.
0: Now, I'm gonna, you know, we're gonna take a break right now. When we come back, I want to talk about that that little piece right there. Uh, security as a strategic partner to the business, and we'll explore that when we come back. I want to thank you for listening. Um, I want to also invite you right now to go to BlaineBartlett.com. And on that site, which is my personal website, you'll see uh, services up on the top menu. I'd like you to click on Leadership Mastermind. Now, why I want you to do that is we have structured a mastermind program that is very unusual and it is very powerful. And by going onto that site and clicking that link, you'll be taken to a landing page that is an invitation to join this mastermind. It's a 52-week-long exploration of what it takes to be a highly effective leader in today's fast-changing environment. You won't regret it. And if you've been liking what you've been listening to on these Soul of Business podcasts, how does one become a leader that can keep connection to the soul of business? That's what we look at. That's what we're about in this mastermind program. So again, go to blainebartlett.com and click on the services link. And there you'll find the link to the leadership mastermind program. Look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to this little commercial. And now back to our show. Welcome back. This is Blaine Bartlett. Um, We're speaking uh, right uh, right now with um, Mark Sangster. And Mark just had an interesting point uh, for, at least to me, and I'm the only one that's important here, obviously, so I'm just going to riff with it. Uh, But the idea that uh, security is not an anchor in the organization. It actually can be, if it's positioned effectively, uh, a strategic partner in the growth of the organization. So, um, I'm just going to drop that in your lap, Mark, and see where you kind of go with it. How, how would you approach that?
1: Yeah. Uh, again, you know, I start with the uh, security or cybersecurity is not an IT problem to solve, it's a business risk to manage. So, it is really about being a partnership in the organization, having, you know, at least in larger companies, a seat at the table, right? And again, it's not constantly to be the person who comes back and always says, well, we can't do this because of X, right? It's more about this is what we need to enable. Or, you know what? this maybe is the cost. Okay. So you want to move into this, you want to adopt this new technology. That's great. But here's some of the risks we have, you know, we don't have expertise in this space. So perhaps we need to outsource that, right? Maybe we want to hire in some consultants who know what to do here, or we want to engage our legal team because we want to make sure that whatever contract we write up and we, you know, we sign ourselves to with those vendors makes sense. And so, you know, we understand our divisions of duty and who does what and when, and if something bad occurs, how have we indemnified ourselves? Or you know who pays for what? These are just normal things. We do this in every other course of life, and frankly, in business, you do it in every other course of doing business. Right when you sign a contract with a client or other vendors, so it's just really thinking about that risk perspective as well. And, you know, and at the executive level, that's helping them understand that, helping them, you know, through awareness training, for example, understand what bad guys are trying to pull and, you know, and how they use new technology because they know the companies are less familiar with it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, that's sort of part of the story. But then the other side is also getting people to embrace it. So if you're constantly putting out bulletins saying, don't do this or stop clicking on that, or you have the wall of shame for the people who've clicked on, you know, um, phishing emails, these kind of things, all you're doing is discouraging cooperation, right? You want people to understand why they do it. So here's why I'd like you to sign in using two-factor authentication or here's why you don't, you know, we don't want you clicking on these things or picking up or pick up the phone and validate the request before you execute it because here's how they target you and here's what they're doing and here's what it looks like as a cost to the business because then people kind of go, okay, now I get it, right? This isn't just another, you know, security proving its value here, right? Or, you know, earning its money. And, and so, um, and then when you do that, you kind of empower them, right? So we go back to your, your, um, uh, your three stools, right? That gives them a bit more intimacy. They understand why they're doing it. So they feel more secure, but now they understand if they stick within these kind of guidelines, they have the freedom they need because they can do their job and they can do it effectively.
0: Yeah. I love that. You know, um, part of the leadership work that I do uh, is organized around the definition that I work with around leadership which is co-creating coordinated movement in the system that produces the results that we want and it's that two pieces co-creating coordinated movement so in the context of you know what we're speaking about here security um co-creating that so it's not just an edict it's not just something that I'm seeking compliance from my people around how do I go about co-creating that and you know awareness precedes choice so One of the things that I hear you talking about is being able to generate not the business case for this, but the personal meaning, you know, linking it to some for the sake of what that is ecumenical to the soul of the business or to something that somebody personally cares about. And that context management context generates meaning. So business case is one context, the for the sake of what might be a bigger or more effective context to work with. Um, do you have some examples, and I, yeah, I'm going to just you know, hopefully not put you too harshly on the spot here, but examples where you've seen that conversation actually uh, be leveraged very effectively, where it moved away from compliance to an "aha," that's why I want to be able to do that. Yeah, at, at the line level.
1: Yeah, um, you're right. All you know, in many cases, unfortunately, you know. Uh, for lack of better terms, a contract gets signed and then it's chucked over the fence, and everyone has to figure out how to comply. Um, right. But you know, where I really saw a lot of this take place actually was over the last year, where a lot of workers moved to a remote model, right, or a distributed model, about- and you know, and becoming bringing them in and helping them understand why they're doing something, right? And so, as you said, setting that context, and from a leadership perspective, the biggest, uh, the best conversation I saw, and actually in a mid-sized firm was where the leaders, you know, sort of stuck to, you know, one of the sort of core tenets I'd say I live by when it comes to this, which is your job as the leader is, is to perhaps give them the what, right? But, but definitely it's not to tell them what uh, the how, right? So they understand, here's the objective we're attempting to achieve, right? We're going to go charge that hill and take the hill. Okay, that's great. But how they go about doing it, empower those people because they're smart people, right? They know what to do in their role. Um, so now that you've given them a context, so they understand a target, they have a contextual, you know, um, fabric around it that now tells them that gives them the motivation and the why and so on. Now they can frame the how because then they can go off and do it. Whereas a lot of times on the flip, what I see is the jump to um, solution when you haven't even defined the problem, right? Well, we're going to have remote workers. So we better go out and get a virtual private network. And it's like, well, maybe you already have one. Maybe that's not the problem, right? Or people aren't using it and they're not using it because of this reason, right? Like it slows things down when you use it because you don't have, you know, the right bandwidth, whatever it might be, right? Having those kind of um, team level kind of conversations where, you know, you demonstrate that or you allow, you create a forum that allows everyone to show their expertise. And, you know, that's actually really, really critical, not just in the planning phase, but frankly, when there's an incident, um, and that's what we see all the time, right? Is you know, I kind of joke about the different characters, the you know, the hero who feels they need to be the loudest voice in the room and demonstrate that they did something, they sacrificed for the company, uh, or the you know, I'm the highest paid person in the room, I have the most senior rank, the you know what I mean, the authoritarian kind of approach that's hierarchical that says, well, sorry, I've you know got more you know gold on my shoulders, so therefore you're going to do what I say to do that leaves the introverts out, right? The quiet person who really does have a good answer uh, or the people, like I said, who feel like they need to make decisions when they, they don't, they need to provide information, right? That sets context going in the other direction for those leaders to then make decisions.
0: You know, the idea of responsibility comes to mind here. And, and when I'm looking at it through the lens of co-creating coordinated movement, that co-creation pieces, ultimately, if I'm doing it well, there's an ownership transfer that's occurred it's not. Yeah, yeah. I'm not doing this because I have to. I'm doing this because now I want to. Uh, because something's in place, it's oh, meaningful yeah. to me. And the idea of you know responsibility. Yeah, uh, you know, who's responsible for security? It's not IT. Yeah, you know, IT may be an implementer, but who's responsible? Um, that's that's shared ownership. And. It's interesting uh, how responsibility gets learned about, I think, uh, for most people on this planet. And, and I, <laughs> I remember wrestling with my younger brother uh, when we were probably about four or five years of age. And one of us, I don't remember who it was, but I do remember the incident. We knocked the knocked lamp, lamp off the, uh, the, the coffee table and it shattered. And I remember mom coming in going, who's responsible for this? And real early on, responsibility started getting equated to blame, Oh, absolutely! And then that starts to get reinforced over and over and over again. Who's responsible? Who wants to take responsibility for IT? Not me. Who wants to take responsibility for you know, security? Not me. Yeah. Um, because I'll be blamed if there's a breach. Ownership is different than that. Yeah, I'm able to respond. And, and where I'm going with this long um, uh, piece here is communication is what makes responsibility work. It, it, I mean, in my experience, it's it's it's. If we've got open lines of communication where we can share where we're noticing breaches, where we can share when we can actually say this hasn't worked well, that's responsible behavior from my perspective. And that begins to open the door to all kinds of other things, I think, that might be worth exploring. So um, I, you know, just how does you and I'm, I'm going to speak to this because you know, that's, my, that's my monologue now. I want to hear from you on this. How does ECENTIRE in the work that you do with your clients, I, you know, and this is outside of the actual tech piece, but the
1: implementation, yeah. how do you get ownership? You know, so that's interesting. And one of the things that we do that's that's sort of paramount is, there's, I guess there's two elements. In a planning phase, um, we help them do what's called sort of a risk assessment and a risk evaluation, where we look at all those factors and their obligations, and we help map them out. But more importantly, I actually find it's doing things like... Uh, we call them instant response simulations or workshops. And this is the idea of, you know, you have all the players who need to be at the table. So the executives, the technical leaders, HR, marketing for communications and so on. And you walk them through these scenarios because you're you're 100% right. And in fact, when I do this kind of work, you know, I actually talk about some of the biases that we bring to the table as, as humans. Right. And some of this actually comes from I spend a lot of time looking at things like aircraft, uh, airline disaster, accident investigation, because mm-hmm. they have a really good model for understanding what's happening. You know, legislating controls to try and reduce or minimize that risk and, you know, that continuous learning loop. And the two big things I see in this one that we all suffer from is um. Is outcome bias and hindsight bias, right? And you know, hindsight bias is that notion of well, you know, now that I know the, you know, somebody pushed the wrong button and I see this terrible outcome, you know, I would have never done that. You know what I mean? Like I would have avoided this if that was possible. You know, well, of course, you know, the person was speeding on the on the uh, on the interstate, right? Well, that's why they got in an accident. And then there's the um, the blame part, right? Which is the second part is the is the uh, is the outcome where you start to say, well you know, now that we know somebody didn't, you know, they clicked on a link they shouldn't have, or they refused to use some control, or they logged in um, to a business system using a personal device that wasn't properly protected, you know, we should fire that person, right? Like if, you know, like you say, if Joe hadn't clicked on that link in the first place, we wouldn't be in this situation. And that is so far from the truth, because in all of these things, like my aircraft accident Um, comparison, there's a combination of factors that go into this, right? So you're right. So they clicked on that link, but you could have had, uh, that was a well-known lure. So, you know, um, email filtering would have blocked it. Or what about a security awareness training that would have helped them understand why they shouldn't do that, right? What about phishing testing that, you know, has been proven to greatly reduce the likelihood that someone will click? What about automated controls that would have prevented some of this and so on down the line? Because you see this in security all the time. Is a uh, blaming somebody right? I call it ready aim shoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so you, you fire the person, uh, or or you fire the vendor, right? You're like, well, you caused a screw up, you're you're fired, and then we forget. Well, now they're going to get their lawyer and they're going to go to you know legal guns because they have to protect themselves. Um, yeah. So they're no longer your ally, right? They're no longer contractually obligated to you where you did have some control. We see we see that a lot, and and when you do that, a You missed the point here, right? You don't actually fix the root cause, you fix a symptom. And then, you know, and ultimately when we do that, right, we're we're not seeking forward accountability. So it isn't asking about who did what wrong, but asking them why they made the decisions they did. Because a lot of times, like I said, in hindsight, we look back and we see, you know, with all the data and in the daylight, we go, oh, well, we understand what went wrong here. But in those situations where they're stressful, where you don't have 100% of the information that's required at the time, we make the best decisions we can. So you wanna you wanna shape that methodology, not punish it, right? Because otherwise you're not seeking forward accountability, you're not fixing the problem. And frankly, as we see time and time again, you're you're damned to repeat it, right? The same things will happen to you over and over.
0: Yeah, I, I love that, Mark. We've been listening to Mark Sangster, um, VP of industry security strategies at East Entire. Uh, where can Listeners find out more about what you're up to. Um, either personally, Mark, and I, I, I yeah, because I, I want you guys to get his book. I mean, yeah, whatever the size of your business is, whatever it is that you're doing, No Safe Harbor, The Inside Truth About Cybercrime and How to Protect Your Business. Must read. You got to get it. I'm assuming people can get it at all of the typical places, Amazon, whatever.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Amazon, Barnes, uh, other online retailers, Audible, um, iTunes, Google Play, all of those, it's, it's available in the various formats. Okay. Yeah, and absolutely. with entire, um,
0: how can people find out a little bit more about what you guys are up to and how what you're doing can assist?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Visit our website, com. right? So there's lots of, this is the basic stuff, you know, what's the service and how do we do that? But there's lots of information about the di- different industries we serve and, you know, reach out to me as well. Uh, our, my contact information is on the site, reach out to any one of the execs. And, you know, we're we're more than willing to have that conversation. Um, you know, we have lots of lessons we've learned that we've seen, um, you know, and, all, and 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 often being able to do that from that elevated height allows us to say, you know what, I know you think this is, you're unique. You know, you think the situation is different, um, but you're different looks an awful lot like a lot of other people's different. And you know what, we can we can help, we can bring that collective knowledge or tribal knowledge, right? Um, bring that to bear to protect your business.
0: Yeah, and protect the soul of the business. in the process Absolutely. Because if, if your business goes down, uh, you're missing the opportunity that you would have had to make a difference in the world through your business. Uh, Mark, I want to thank you very much Um, Speaking of differences, how
1: are you leaving it better than when you found it? You know, for me, it's demystifying the misconceptions, right? Helping those businesses like small and medium sized businesses recognize that they do have something worth stealing. And it doesn't matter where they're, you know, they might be located in the Midwest and they're not in a major capital city. So how would some criminal on the other side of the world know they exist? And then once they understand that there's a real problem there, Than helping them um, figure out how they can protect their business, right? Go about identifying those risks and mitigating those risks, because there's no easy answer. But frankly, until you start that dialogue and that conversation, you know, until you understand there's a problem, you're never gonna seek a solution. Beautiful.
0: Thank you, Mark Sangster. Vice president over at East Entire. You're listening to uh, Blaine Bartlett uh, and the soul of uh, business with Blaine Bartlett. You can find out more about what I'm up to on my website at blainebartlett.com. Check it out. I think you'd um, appreciate some of the uh, resources we've got there as well. And until next time, thank you for listening.